glad you're here with us today. A couple of announcements. Um, if you are going to Lake Charles, there are 31 people going to Lake Charles for our mission trip in July. All of the paperwork needs to be done with Praying Pelican today. Uh, today is the deadline, so I will be checking this afternoon. I have all of your, your emails, and I have all of your cell phone numbers so I can stalk you and make sure that you get all that paperwork in so that they then send us our T-shirts and all of our books, and we'll be ready for that. If you're going to Lake Charles, there is a mandatory meeting on July 11th. I've already gotten some more information from them. Janie and I are going down Tuesday this week to check it out, and we'll have some more stuff for you there. If you have questions, be sure and let me know. You can pray for folks who are going, and if you want to go, you might uh, be able to, we might be able to squeeze you in if you uh, find out last minute that you can go. Uh, you can be praying for our preteen camp. They're going to be going July 1st to Piney Woods, and they're all fired up about that after not getting to do anything with, uh, with camps last year. It's going to be good to have them at camp again this year. Now, we're in this series called uh, Alter Ego, and we're talking about, in our situation, we're talking about this being the altar. How many of y'all grew up in a traditional church where they had altar calls, right? So at the end, they would sing 800 verses of Just As I Am, and the pastor would, would beg somebody to come down, and some people just out of, out of sheer compassion for the pastor, they would walk down, you know, and because, what are you here for? I don't know. I just felt bad for you. You know, we would have some of those things. We just want somebody to move. We don't do a whole lot of altar calls, but we did one last week. Because what we're, at, what we're saying is we need to lay some stuff down. We need to quit holding on to some things if we're going to be who God says we are. So we sang it in the song. We've been talking about it for a month. We're gonna, we've got two more weeks to go after this, and we're going to start a new series called Counterattack, uh, taking back ground that, Satan, that we've given to Satan through our choices to sin. But what we're talking about is laying some stuff down. So the first week we talked about laying down our feelings of inadequacy. And we said that if, if we're going to be who God says we are, we cannot hold on to these feelings. We can't let others tell us who we are. We can't even let the enemy of God, we can't even let our own mind tell us who we are. We need to go to the word of God and find out what God says. The next week, y'all laughed a lot at this one, the need to control. Like we got a lot of control freaks in the room, in our church, right? Y'all thought this was so funny until it came to let it go, right? And, and how many of you control freaks laid it down and then you picked it right back up as soon as we said amen as you walked out the door? Yeah, I know. You don't have to tell me. Last week we talked about the right to be offended. And we'll talk more about that in a minute, but uh, pretty powerful stuff today. Well, let me, let me just say this. Feelings of inadequacy come from the enemy of God. The enemy of God is the enemy of God's people. So it says in Revelation 12, 10, we don't, we don't get this until Revelation 12, chapter 12. It says, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them night and day was thrown down out of heaven. So we don't, we don't get to the throwing down and, and him being defeated till Jesus comes back. His job is to accuse you night and day. And we don't want to listen to what the accuser says. We want to hear what God says. And then when we're talking about um, our need for control, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the, the serpent comes up to Eve and says, did God really say, and the very first temptation had to do with questioning the word of God. Did God really say and he says, no, no, God knows if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. You can be in control. And almost every uh, one of our sins from that time has been because I want to be in control. I don't want somebody else telling me what to do. I want to do what I want to do, and it gets us in trouble. And then when we're talking about being offended, Jesus said in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he said, if you forgive people their sins, your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. And then a very disturbing thing 
because we're not very good at forgiving. He says, if you do not forgive, your heavenly father will not forgive you. If for no other reason, you ought to forgive. Forgive gets the poison out of you. Now today, we're going to talk about laying down the need for approval. At least if that's okay with you, I don't want to offend anyone today. Maybe we should take a vote. Is it okay if I talk about, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Sorry, I can't even play the game. We, this is a very real need though, right? I have it. If I'm being honest, I want you to approve of me, but do you know how much trouble I can get into with the God of the universe? If I spend the, the, the time I have here trying to please you and ignoring him, I, will, I would literally be leading people to hell. If I, if I based my affirmation and my decisions about what I'm supposed to teach on my need for your approval. I want you to approve, but bottom line, you're not in charge. I'm not in charge. And you can be the judge of whether I, my, my message comes from God. I don't have any problem with that. But I can't, I can't preach to please you. Well, let's talk about five signs that you are living for the approval of others. And so you, if you have your listening guide, there's a little check mark there. There's a little place to put a check mark. First one is you obsess about what others think. Do you know what the number one fear in the United States? I think it's all over the world, but I know it's in the United States. The number one fear, you know what people say their number one fear is? Speaking in public. You want to know why I think people fear speaking in public? They're so obsessed with what people are going to say. Who cares? I remember my mom used to make me embarrassed because we, Baylor University, ba I'm at Baylor, and mom, for my whole life, we'd be some, at a store, and my mom would go, that's my son, he goes to Baylor, he's a music major, and I'd just walk away, I'd just go, okay, there's no need saying mom, you know, because I used to say mom, and I'd get so embarrassed, no, I would just go sit down, and you're know, like the, 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 the salesperson's looking at me, I'm going, hey, you're on your own, you, you're in this conversation, you get out of it, right, because mom was just going to talk. We worry about what others think. Have you ever posted a selfie? Now, I know, I know we got different age groups here. Some of you don't know what that is. That's all right. Then you haven't. Just move on. Some of you, though, have posted a selfie, and within 10 seconds, you're looking to see if you got any likes or loves, right? If you've ever, if you've ever said to someone, and I've heard a relative say this, how come you just liked my picture and you didn't love my picture? My kids know where this happened. We were with a family, having a family thing, and, and, and a, an adult person said to their parent, all right, so I'm talking like 30 years old, how come you only liked my picture and didn't love it? You're obsessed if you're asking things like that. You know, and, and mental health issues have been around forever, but I believe they're, they're magnified in this day of social media where everybody is obsessed with what others think. Last night, Janie and I went to a wedding. So um, my son-in-law's brother got married, and so we drive to this wedding, and, and uh, Janie and I dressed up, and, and she looked good, and, and I was dressed up. But anyway, we're there, and she said we look good together, and we're sitting there. So it's outside, and by the grace of God, there was cloud covering because it was stinking hot, and it was humid, and we're still fanning like crazy. So Janie's on my left, and I have my arm around her. We're just talking. We're just chit-chatting. You know, it was about an hour drive, so we're just enjoying the time together. And, and she goes, hey, do this. And so I did this. She goes, no, the other eyebrow. 
And I said, oh yeah, I got some stuff sticking out there, don't I? I was fully aware that I had these hairs. I completely forgot. I saw them in the mirror. I was getting dressed and I thought, dude, those things are radical. They are out there. And I just forgot. And so sitting in the sunshine, Janie's going, hey, dude. And so I said, oh, they won't do anything. I said, watch. So I did this, and I licked my finger, and I did this. Bing, you know, they're sticking out there. And I just thought, there's not a thing I can do about it now, and I just don't really care. Now, I will admit, when I got home, I plucked those suckers out because I didn't want you to see them today. I was worried about what, because they would have shown up on Facebook, right? People would have circled them. You know, anyway, I did get rid of them. So one of the funniest things, Janie's never done this to me, but I heard about a, 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 a husband say that his wife would come out when they're dressed up and she would have two different shoes. And she'd say, which one looks better? So she'd have one shoe on this foot, one shoe on this foot, and she would go, wait, 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 which one looks better, this one? And then she'd put the other, or this one. And he would choose and she'd go, no, 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 I need to be sure, this one or this one? Have y'all, any of y'all done that? Okay, okay, all right, some of you, some of you are like, I'm so worried about what people think. I'm not telling you that I did that, not in public. <laughs> How many of you would admit that sometimes you worry too much about what other people think? All right, put a check mark. Number two, the second one, you are overly sensitive. There could be 25, 50 people tell me that this message was awesome. And one person could say, dude, where were you today? I don't know what you were doing. You didn't have your good stuff. And which one will dominate my thinking if I'm not careful? The one person who said something bad. A few weeks ago, preached a sermon. I really felt like God was moving and people responded. And I got home and, and I, I try not to look at how many people watched and all that stuff. I try not to look at that, but I do get notifications. So if you love something on, on our Facebook feed, I get a notification that so-and-so loved this. And so I'm sitting there, I, I took my nap, my God-ordained nap a couple of weeks ago on Sunday afternoon. And I got up and I pop up in Facebook and, and I see these notifications. And one of them said, Bobby Prickett, put a mad face on our service from that day. And I went, what? What could I possibly have done that made cornbread mad? <laughs> and I'm not making this up. So lots of people said, oh, we love the service, you know, love, 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 there's this one mad face. And I thought about blocking him where he couldn't make any emojis anymore. And I thought, that's not right. So, so I actually did. The next morning, I'm praying, and I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and, and I text Bobby, and I said, hey, man, can you talk for a minute? And he goes, sure. So I call him up, and he's driving, and I said, hey, dude, do you know you put a mad face on the, on the service yesterday? He goes, I did? <laughs> and he said, I didn't mean to. And I said, yeah. I said, I just want to make sure everything's okay. He goes, no, man, everything's great. And so about 10 minutes later, I get this text. I put a love on there. So sure enough, I pull it up. Bobby Prickett loved the service today. We can be overly sensitive, right? When Caleb was a boy, um, we, really, we really were convicted because he would say, I'm a bad boy. Not I did bad things. He'd say, I'm a bad boy. And we're talking like Waylon's age, four years old, five years old. And so we really got convicted about this. So for several nights, weeks, I would go into his room because we would go and pray and, and read Bible stories, you know, and be silly with all of the kids. It took forever. And we just had three. I can't imagine it got more than that. You know, you just had to block off two hours every evening and just do the rounds with the children. 
So I'd go in, I'd lay down with Caleb, and, and I'd say, hey, let's, let's count up all the good things you did today. And we would just start numbering them. And we would get to 10, 12, sometimes 15 good things he did. And I'd say, okay, you're not a bad boy, but you did make some bad choices today. There's a difference. You're a good boy who made some bad choices. And so I'd say, let's, let's talk about some of those bad choices. And it'd be one or two bad choices. And we were playing soccer at that time, and so I said, hey, dude, since... Since we're playing soccer, if we were to score 10 or 15 goals and the other team scored one or two, who wins? And he goes, we do. And I said, guess what? You just won the day because you did 15 good things. You only made one or two bad choices. And we were so worried that he was going to carry that mindset of being overly sensitive (laughs) to his adult life. See, there's something they talk about in counseling called confirmation bias. And what it means is if you think something is true, you're going to find evidence that it's true. You think somebody's mad at you, you walk in the, the, the door here at church, and they give you a dirty look. Do you see that? They're mad at me. And you find evidence to back it up. What you didn't know is they just stubbed their toe, their pinky toe's hanging on by a thread. And they gave you a dirty look because they can't even think straight. But you're like, how dare they? Mad face for New Life Community Church. Their big toe's falling off. Come on, if you're too sensitive, put a check mark next to that one. Next one is you compromise your values. Young girl loves God. And I, I remember our youth group growing up, there were a lot of girls that loved God and wanted to serve God. And we talked about saving our, our virginity until we were married and giving that as a gift to our spouses and, and uh And I know a lot of girls who had that intention, but then they would fall in love with a guy, and this guy would say, I love you. I want to spend my life with you. And if you really loved me, you would, you know. And she would think about it, and she would think, well, if I don't, he's going to break up with me. So she would, you know, and compromise her values. The greatest gift physical gift that Janie gave me was her virginity on our wedding night. And you know what? I asked her, because there were, there were, you know guys, there were guys in college that constantly hounded her, and I said, how did you stay a virgin? And she said, I heard you say, I'm going to marry a virgin. She said, well, I'm marrying him, so I better be a virgin. <laughs> and I was, glory to God, right? She gave me that gift, and it was a gift. Or, guys, you're around other guys, and they start telling crude jokes. And, and you don't want to be the nut job, you know, the religious guy. So you go along with it. Maybe you laugh at it. Maybe you tell some of the same things. You compromise your values. Maybe you talk a certain way around this group of people, and you talk a different way when you're in this building. That's, that's a compromiser. Maybe you believe in being debt-free, and you really don't want to have any you don't want to owe anybody. The Bible says owe no one except to love everyone. You don't want to be the, in debt, but, but have you noticed how many emergencies happen when you don't have an emergency fund? Everything's an emergency. Slap it on the card. Slap it on the card. You want to be a good steward, but you end up buying things you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. You compromise. If you struggle being a compromiser, put a check mark. 
Next one is you hesitate sharing your faith. You really believe that Jesus is the son of God. He is the answer to everyone's problems. And you have a friend who does not know God and they're struggling with life and you know Jesus is the answer, but you're so afraid of what they might think that you never tell them about Jesus. If we're being really honest, you care more about what people think than your friends, than you care about your friends finding freedom in Christ. If you struggle sharing your faith, put a check mark. Last one is if you have a hard time saying no. Jane and I were talking about this on the way home. So I already had this in my message. When we moved to Palestine, we were at Southside, I was a youth minister, and there was an organization there called the Women's Missionary Union, WMU for short. What that meant was a group of 60 to 80-year-old women, okay, so the, this, you, you had to have a minimum age to be in the WMU, they would get together and they had, they had a great heart. They, they wanted to, to talk about missions, they would study, they would kind of like a history lesson and they would take up money and they would send it to these missionaries and so they would have a meeting once a month and they struggled to get people to teach and so they just assumed that you could ask staff members' wives and they would say yes. So this lady who is not known for being the nicest lady, she had white hair and man, she just, anyway, she, she she asked Janie, would you teach one of our lessons for WMU? Janie comes to me and she goes, I've been asked to teach a lesson for WMU. She said, I don't want to do it. I said, I said, were you called by God to do it? She goes, no, absolutely not. I said, do, do you feel any purpose in teaching? She goes, no. She said, what am I going to do? And I said, you're going to say no. And she looked at me. I'm God is my witness. She said, can I do that? Can I tell her no? And, you know, I was a youth minister. I didn't get near as much heat as a youth minister as I get as a pastor. Like, yeah, tell her no. I don't care. I'll back you up. So she told her no. This woman was startled because no one had ever told this woman no in the history of the world, right? Especially not a staff member's wife. But Janie went to her and she said, hey, I, I don't feel comfortable teaching, but I love to cook and serve refreshments. Can I do that for you? And then I'll clean up afterwards. And she had the best time. And the other staff wives, there were three other staff wives who had to teach that they were so mad at Janie. They said, how did you not have to teach? And she said, I said, no. And they said, can we do that? No one has ever told her no. If someone ever asks you to do something and inwardly you say, not a stinking chance, but you go, okay. You need to check this one, right? Because the bottom line reason we do this is our egos are crying out, like me, approve of me, make me feel good about myself. But we need to be very careful with this stuff because the enemy of God knows this truth and you need to know this truth. Becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you, should say, say says about you. I, I put that up there wrong. So I have a verse for you today that you're going to carry with you, and I hope you remember this verse. I think you're going to remember this verse. Fearing people is a what kind of trap? Dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. It's a trap. Do that again, because that, that took a while. I'm not, it's such a short clip. Go ahead. It's a trap. Okay, bonus points if you know who that is. What's his name? Admiral... Akbar, we've got three nerds in the room. Admiral Akbar. I wish I could have Admiral Akbar in your head, right? Or at least flash up there. When you're about to do something, you're obsessed with what people think and you're not thinking what God thinks, I wish he'd pop up. It's a trap, right? It's a dangerous trap. I'm spitting, so be careful up here. Splash zone, yeah, for 
Shamu. Fearing people is the opposite of trusting God. The word trap literally means a hook that people would put inside of an animal's nose so that they could lead them around. The idea is that if you have a hook in an animal's nose, wherever that animal's nose goes, where's, where does the rest of the animal go? Where the nose goes, right? So you got this big hook, and I forgot. I left it in my truck. So I have a rattle trap, a big, fat rattle trap. Anybody know what a rattle trap is? It looks like a minnow, and there's all different sizes, and you have floating ones, you have sinking ones, but I've got a big one-ouncer, and it's got two sets of treble hooks on it. It's awesome, but it will catch anything, right? If you're casting, you'll catch tree branches. You'll catch, if there's something in the, in the lake, whatever, it's going to pull it up. So you need to have this, this one-ouncer. It's a big, fat sucker, and it rattles. It's the coolest thing. You chunk it out there, and you're reeling it, and you can feel it in your line. If you don't, you got, you got a sucky rod, and you need to get a new rod, but talk to Chase about that. He'll, he'll hook you up. So anyway, you chunk it out there. You can feel it rattling and and the the fish strike. Okay, let's say that someone has a big hoop ring. Now, not the the one you just slide on. I mean, it is through cartilage and it's this hoop nose ring, right? And you walk behind me and I'm about to chunk my big fat rattle trap as far as I can chunk it with my seven foot stiff action rod. I mean, I'm going to throw it. And it, by the, by an incredible coincidence, It catches your nose hoop as you walk behind me. Assuming I don't rip the nose hoop out of your nose, where are you going? Wherever my rattle trap is going. So when you say, oh, do you like my hair? Which shoe's better, this one or this one? Just pull you around somewhere. Do you like my car? Do you like my outfit? you like my hair? Got to wipe that off. <laughs> we're being led who knows where because we're so concerned with what others think. So fear of people is what? Fear of what? It's a trap. Come on. It's right there, Gary. It's a trap. Not just a trap. It's a dangerous trap. Because people-pleasing is idolatry. It's making people too big in our lives, God too small. You cannot simultaneously live for the approval of people and the approval of God. So, has anyone in the room ever suffered from the disease to please? Has anyone on Facebook? So, we're going to do it this way. If you're in the room, you're going to say yes. If you're on Facebook, you're going to type the words yes. And maybe it needs to be capitalized with a couple of exclamation points. Has anybody in the room or on Facebook ever suffered from the disease to please? Yes. Yes. Well, how do we fix it? How are we going to overcome this disease? Number one, there's just two things I'm going to tell you today. Number one is decide to please God, not people. It really does boil down to a decision. It's a choice. I love this in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Paul is writing to the church at Galatia, and he says, obviously, I just love this. I mean, come on obviously, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of who? Obviously, okay, is it obvious that most Christians are not trying to win the approval of people? Oh, heavens no, obviously, 
I don't know what's going on outside the door here. Yeah, it's too loud out there. I'm being distracted, so we can't have that. <laughs> Obviously, we can't have the teens out there making noise. I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of who? Oh, this should be obvious in your life and in mine. And I'm willing to bet you expect it to be obvious in my life because I'm the pastor. But this is normal for everybody. Anyone who is a child of God, it should be obvious that you are living for the approval of one. So I got some pictures here. We got, we got two sets of pictures, three, three sets of two. And I'm going to ask you what the common denominator is between picture one and picture two. All right, here's picture one. You can probably guess picture two. What's the common denominator? What is the common denominator? It's real simple. Spiked hair. Specifically, I googled spiked hair 80s, and this is what came up, right? I actually got to go to England. It was my graduation present from my parents when I graduated Baylor. <laughs> National champions in basketball. Um, I have to share that because I suffer from BBS, battered bear syndrome. I mean, never since I've been around has Baylor won anything. We won basketball, so I'm going to tell the world. Obviously, I'm going to tell the world. Okay. So we got to go to England, and there was a group of us. We got to sing. It was incredible. We sang in castles. We sang in churches. It was awesome. But in the 80s is when this hair was going crazy, especially in England. So like we get on the subway, and we're running around London, and there are dozens of these people walking around, you know, and we're like, we're from East Texas or from Texas, you know, we're from Waco and we're like, we hadn't seen stuff like this before. One of the girls in our group, not the brightest girl, but still, she walks up to him. She goes, I'm going to go talk to him. And she said, and we're going, ah, we didn't know. They, were, they ended up being some of the coolest people I've ever met. Why do you have your hair like that? Because my parents don't want me to. <laughs> who are they trying, when they, when they do this, who were they trying to please, their parents or other people with this? Okay, next, next set. Twinning is winning. That's what I read, I don't know, I read that. Here's the next one. Twinning is not winning. Who are they trying to please? Each other. Now, I just chose these, but you've seen a group of people wear things similar, right? just because the other person wore them. Or they have somebody that they think is awesome and they want to wear their clothes, like literally. Can you give me your handouts? Here's another one. What is this? It is a Jeep club. I googled Jeep club. Here's the next one. What would you think their reaction would be if I come buzzing up in my Prius? They won't even know it because I'll be in stealth mode. I'm like, hey, can I join? You think they'd let me join? Now, there's nothing wrong with being at Jeep Club. There's nothing wrong with wearing the same clothes. Janie actually changed a shirt one time because we were going out, and she walked out, and she goes, oh, no, we're not going to look like. God forbid, obviously. Um, nothing wrong unless they become number one. Right? So, I love Jeeps. I've, I've rented them, but I'm not going to go buy one to get in a club. 
I love my 45, 50 miles per gallon in my hybrid. Love it. I don't care what you think. Some people will go to certain parties, but not other parties, and it all depends on who's there. Some people talk a certain way, cussing, what, not cussing. Some people only hang out with people who have similar morals or no morals. You know what I call those people? Chameleons. Let's just fit in. Let's live for the approval of people, and it's exhausting. But even Christians do this. You can only use one translation of the Bible. You can only worship Jesus wearing certain clothes or singing songs out of the hymnal. I remember, I was thinking about this. So when my brother uh, is 14 years older than me, he was a youth minister for the first time, and I was going to his church. We would go out to the lake. Lake Meredith is, is outside of Borger, and we would go to the lake, and we would have campfires, and we'd play hide-and-go-seek and capture the flag. We'd just play in all kinds of stuff, and we'd sit around the fire, and we'd have s'mores and hot dogs, and we'd sing choruses. This was in the 70s, and choruses were God-forbidden by the church that I went to. You can't sing choruses. And my brother would go, do you realize it comes straight out of scripture? And they're like, well, which translation? Here's one of them that I learned. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John four, seven and eight. Again, beloved, you can do it all night long. What translation of the Bible was that, Casey? You heard me. He that loveth not knoweth not God. King James, right? My church said we couldn't sing that song. I don't know why. Fear of people is what? It's a dangerous trap. Did you know that, did you know that Jesus himself could not please everybody in this room? I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about if he were to walk in here right now, I'm willing to bet some of us or all of us would find something that just irritated us about the Savior. So here's what we're going to say. You can't please everybody, but you can please God. So I want you to say this out loud. I cannot please everybody, but I can please God. If you're playing along on Facebook, type it out because Obviously, I'm going to be upset if I don't see anybody typing anything this afternoon when I get up for my God-ordained nap. So I want you to say it again. I want you to say it like you mean it. I cannot please everybody, but I can please God. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. So 1.10, he says, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. Look what he says in 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I what? I no longer even live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You become adopted by exchanging your life for his. It's no longer mine. And when I do that, I'm saying that I'm signing up to live under the authority of this, God's word. I don't get to pick and choose. I love what Francis Chan said. He says, if I come across something in the Bible that I don't agree with, he says, I have to start with the assumption that I'm wrong. I'm not, I don't even get to live. Christ lives in me. So first one, how do, we, how do we overcome the disease to please? Help me out. What is it? You just wrote it down. Decide to please God, not people. Number two, live from the approval of God instead of for the approval of people. Do you understand the difference there? 
We're going to start with a heavenly perspective and come down, not an earthly perspective, and try to make it jive with heaven. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 says this, On the contrary, we speak to those approved by whom? To be entrusted with the gospel. Now remember that. The gospel is a big part of this. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're already approved by God, but you're approved to take the message, the gospel. The gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. What's the good news? He left heaven. He uh, lived a perfect life. He died on the cross as a substitute for your sin. Somebody's going to pay for your sin. Either it's you or the substitute. That's the good news. So you're approved by God, but you're approved to tell others about him. He will adopt you, and then he's going to send you out with this message. He wants you to tell others about the new life you found. So if you care what people think, you're not going to take the message out. If you really follow Jesus, not everybody's going to like you. And if you're liked by all people, you are not following Jesus. You're a compromiser. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the sin. He sees Christ's righteousness imputed to you. That should bring freedom. Your, base, your, your, your worth is not based on anything but what God says. So let's look real quickly. I've got 10 things that God says about you. Number one, you're, this is on your listening guide if you have them. If not, you can, you can find them on, uh, on our app later. You're a new creation, and this is from 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. New life is here. God says you are free and forgiven through Jesus. This is Ephesians 1.7. He says, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us. And then I'm going to add on Hebrews 8.12 here. He says, I will remember your sins no more. He chooses to remember our sins no more. You're a child of God. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's Galatians 3.26. You are no longer a slave to sin. We sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. It's better than that. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And it comes from Romans 6.6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. You are chosen by God. We just sang that song. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You're at peace with God. This comes from Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are more than conquerors. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than conquerors. comes from Romans 8.37. In all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Um, let's see. You are God's masterpiece. We are going to spend all next week talking about this from, from uh, Ephesians chapter 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are the light of the world. We're in a sin-infested world, and Jesus said, I'm, I'm the light, and I'm giving you the light, and I want you to take light. And what does light do? It chases away darkness. We should be chasing away darkness everywhere we go. You are Christ's ambassador. We are therefore Christ's ambassador as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. An ambassador is the highest ranking official from one government to another. You're the highest ranking representative from heaven sent wherever God has planted you. Tammy, don't you ever say I'm just a children's minister. You are the highest ranking member of God's family called to tell children that they matter to him. Don't you ever say you're just a youth minister. Don't you ever say you're just a banker. Don't you ever say I'm just whatever. That may be what you do. I'm just a student. That's what you do. Oh, heavens, no. You are the highest ranking official, ambassador from heaven, sent to wherever God has you to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. 
So start living like that. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and if, you're, if you've been in church any amount of time, um, you've heard this verse, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's the problem. The enemy is attacking your mind, and you're letting thousands of hours of garbage tell you who you are instead of the word of God. Don't be conformed. It literally means don't let the world squeeze you into its mold and make you a cookie-cutter devil follower. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, honestly, I did this on purpose. A lot of people know this verse, and they know about being transformed, and they know about pleasing God's pleasing and perfect will, figuring that out. But, but actually, the key is in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to do what? If you ever go to church and you leave the same way you came in, it's because you didn't offer. You had a hard heart. Your mind was, was preoccupied with something else. And you offered nothing to God and you got nothing out of it. He says, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And look what it says. This is your true and proper worship. Some of you are holding on to some garbage today. And you're going to leave here exactly as you came in because you, you're listening to the wrong crowd. You're not laying anything down. You lay your, your ego down at the altar, and then you're like, Paul, when he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This life is not mine. And if you think your life is yours, you're in for a rude awakening when you stand before God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? I want everybody to pray this out loud. God, it's so easy for us to become people pleasers. Help us to lay that down today and to live for you. If you've been living for the approval of people, would you raise your hands? Just in your minds, I want you to pray this. God, forgive us for focusing on anyone but you. We are deciding right now to please you and not people. Help us from this day forward to live from your approval instead of for the approval of people. And everyone in the room say amen. amen. We have uh, two baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. That's how we give at New Life Community Church, or you can go online, nlccp.com, and uh, set up the Push Pay app. And then we have a second basket, which is our registration card basket. And uh, you put your cards in there, write your prayer concerns on the back. So this last week, um, several of you did that. You put your cards in. Somebody said, thank you for bringing the cards back. And they wrote me a book. And, and I prayed through that. And, 
Here's the thing. So if you tell me it's okay to share your prayer concern, I'm going to share that with my praying friends. If you say it's just for you, I will not share that with anybody. Um, But Janie and I sat back here this last week on the back row, and we just kind of went through the cards and we prayed and and just know that that we, we believe. We do not believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power of God who's accessed through prayer. You see the difference? I just get fired up when people say, I believe in the power of prayer. You can pray that door handle over there. And people do. (laughs) I don't believe in that prayer. There's no power in that prayer. There's power in God who raised Jesus from the dead. So I I know it's subtle, but I don't ever want to say, I believe in the power of prayer because that puts the focus on me. Stop it. Let's put the focus on God. I believe in the power of God and his only access through his word and through prayer. And we will pray for you. That's our commitment. If you share your concerns, we'll pray for you. And if you say it's okay, we'll share with others. Stand up, hug four people, tell them you love them. And find somebody to drag with you next week so we can fill this place up. You're dismissed.